of the uh, time of the program, we're going to honor our graduates. We have a couple of them this year. If we can get them to come up here or down here. This is, this is a, a wonderful time for me to, uh, what's your name again? J <laughs> Jason? J Justin, I'm sorry. I know him very well. Um, you know, he's, um, he's uh, uh, like I said, known, known, him, known him for years, and as I, as I think of all the things we've been through together, I, I really can't think of anything good to say about this guy, to be, be perfectly honest with you. Now, you, you guys see him back here doing the sound, and you see him up here playing the, the guitar, and you think he's really a nice guy, but you don't see the, the ridicule, the turmoil the, that, that, that he put. I'm not done with you yet, buddy. <laughs> That he puts me through every single, you know, the best thing, like this morning I come in and I, I say, hey, hey, Justin, you know what I like about you? And he says, what, Raleigh? I say, absolutely nothing. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, you know, that's, that's about the best I can come up with for this, this guy. But like you see him, you know, helping out around here. That, he, he, I, have, I have stories I could tell you that he's been a real pain in my side and even a little bit lower at, at sometimes. <laughs> I come, come in the morning and he's making fun of the color of my hair. He's making fun of how slow I, I move sometimes. You know, he's making fun of my guitars because I got guitars. Most of my guitars are older than this guy that, I, that I, I'm playing. You know, so, so while I'm supposed to say something really kind and, you know, graduation-like, I, I, can't, I can't think of much. But I, I, I probably should, since his mom and dad are in the audience, and, <laughs> and uh, I, I probably really should say something about him. But... Uh, you know, uh, I love this guy. I've known him for years. He's uh, been at my house many every Wednesday night for, for many years when he was growing up as part of the youth group. I worked with him. He's one of these guys that, that uh, when we were having to uh, move and, and uh, set up every, every uh, Sunday morning, he was there uh, helping out. Two words, that, that, and this is, this is serious, Jason, I mean Justin. Uh, two words that, that I, I think uh, that describe him. And number one, and this, these are characteristics you don't find in, in guys this age a whole lot. Number one is uh, he is faithful, and he, and he is a servant. You see him here every Sunday. You see him here during the week uh, fixing, changing something up. Faithfulness and being a servant are two characteristics this guy shows, and, and I, I love him for it. It's been great knowing him all these years. It really has. We've had a lot of good times, although... He doesn't like it when I hide his chocolate milk in the morning and, and uh, uh, but donuts. And donuts, yeah, yeah. He finds them a couple weeks later. He still eats them, but um, <laughs> seriously. Anyhow, I, I should just shut up. And and uh, and anyhow, re really, I've have uh, grown to love this guy. He's a very big part of this church, and and uh, the things he does behind the scenes, uh, we're gonna miss when he's gone to to college. But uh, uh, I'm gonna pray for him. Lord, just thank you for uh, this young man here who's uh, dedicated much of his life to you in, in service uh, and, and helping out uh, Creekside. And we just thank you for his faithfulness, his faithfulness through the, with the youth group and just showing up here every Sunday morning and, and helping out. Just what a, uh, a wonderful young man he is. We ask your, your blessing upon him as he uh, ventures off to Iowa State. Father, we know uh, one of the promises you give us is is that you encourage us that as the book of Proverbs says, in, in, in all your ways, acknowledge him, and he'll direct your paths. Let's just remember that uh, as promises for big decisions and small decisions. And we just, again, thank you for, for
for, for Justin and, and what he's done over the years. And uh, we ask you, you'll bless his, his future and all he decides to do in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I didn't know I was supposed to do a stand-up routine, so I've got a tough act to follow. <laughs> so this is Caitlin. I've known her for over 18 years now. Uh, we've, uh, and she's been at my house every day, I think, of that 18 years. And so, but we don't always coordinate our outfits. But when we do, we like to kind of get up in front of everybody and, and show it off. But uh, we're thankful for Caitlin and uh, all God goodness to her and to us through her and everything that she's overcome and accomplished through her school career. So I want to pray for her. Lord Jesus, thank you for being a friend to Caitlin and, and being with her these years. And, and thank you that she's come to know you as her savior and, and as her friend and Lord. And I just thank you for all of the care, Father, that you've shown to her through these years and and protecting and encouraging and strengthening her. And I just pray that as she faces a new stage of her life, that you would just continue to bless her and keep her. And we know that we can praise you for all that's past and trust you for all that's to come. And so we just do that this morning and give thanks in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning. My name is Nan Hahn. If you don't know me, um, I just want to give you a warning. If you're asked to be a member of this church, the next thing they say is, you're in charge of VBS. <laughs> So don't make eye contact with me for the next month and a half because I am going to be asking you to volunteer, not this week, but next week. We will have VBS evenings from July 27th through the 31st, which is a Sunday through Thursday night from 6.30 to 8 o'clock. It will be available for three-year-old through fifth graders. And watch for next week. We'll have more details. Thank you. Okay, good. Uh, we didn't know we had so many comedians this morning, right? In our church. It's not me. I'm up here just in time to bring the mood down a little bit this morning. Uh, I did dress up for you guys, though. I threw a collar on. So, is Larry in here? I threw a collar on for you, buddy. Uh, I'll be honest. <clears throat> I didn't want to be speaking this morning. And it's not because I don't want to be with you guys. It's not because I don't want to serve. It's not out of being nervous, because I've spoken up here many times. It's more out of fear of being inadequate. I told Carol last night, I don't have anything to offer this morning. That's how I felt last night. I told Kyle the same thing, that I just feel heavy. I felt anxiety over this message. As soon as I was done with music last Sunday, instantly it hit. That... I have to be prepared to offer something. The problem is, this is what I do. I'm a classic overthinker. And, and I'm not good at letting things go and giving up control of things. And so I start thinking and thinking and thinking and trying to figure out the best way. The problem is, I, I am inadequate, right? I don't have much to offer. What I have to offer this morning only comes from God. And so what I've tried to do and what I was trying to do, what I was doing last night when I didn't want to be up here this morning 
and kind of still don't, <laughs> is, is put it all on me. And I can't do anything when I do that. But when I put it on God and just try to get real, that's when it's okay for me to be up here. And, and for those of you guys who know me, I was trying to figure out the best way. I had Mark chapter 3, and there's a lot to cover in Mark chapter 3. So I'm trying to figure out, well, I want to be able to show them that I actually studied for a while and that I broke down the passage. And so there's too much to really cover, so I'm going to have to show highlights of this, and I'm trying to figure out how I'm going to work it all in. And that was just me thinking and thinking and what you guys want to hear, right? Well, they got to see that I studied. The problem was, I want to get across one main point, and this point may not be what grabs you when you look at this passage, but it's what grabbed me because of what I'm, what I'm going through in my life. And so I tried to get past all of the, I got to make sure they know that this, this, and this, and this is in chapter 3. There's a lot out there. I encourage you guys to go look at chapter 3 yourself. I, I looked up, I don't know, sermons.org, and there were like 20 sermons on Mark chapter 3. And they were all going different directions. I didn't listen to them all. I just saw the titles. I didn't listen to any of them. Uh, but today I'm trying to focus on a, on a specific area that jumped out to me and trying to get past all the thinking. I feel like, I don't know if I can speak anymore because whenever I speak, God decides to bless me with material through experience. And that's a scary thing. Because it means I'm going through things, so when I, I hit a message that I want to speak on, I can connect with it because it's what hits me. <laughs> I still feel inadequate this morning. I don't know what to bring this morning, but we're going to pray that God speaks through me and that we are challenged, that I'm challenged, that we can be here to grow and get closer to God and that He's glorified through all of this. Father God, I just thank You so much that we are here on this beautiful morning as a family with our hurts and our pains and our inadequacies and that you would be glorified, that we would grow closer to you this very morning and that it would continue on through the rest of our lives. And I just thank you for everything you do for us and the blessings you give us. In your name, amen. Mark chapter 3, verse 7. Like I said, I read through this over and over again, and it just kept jumping out at me. And I, I don't think anybody else in this room would probably take this spin on this. Verse 7, Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake, and a large crowd from Galilee followed. When they heard all he was doing, many people came to him from Judea, Jerusalem, Edomea, and the, region, uh, the regions across the Jordan and around Tyre and Sidon. Because of the crowd, he told the disciples to have a small boat ready for him to keep the people from crowding him. For he had healed many so that those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. Now jump to verse 20. Then Jesus entered a house, and again a crowd gathered so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. I was looking at this, and I kept breathing through and, and thinking and praying about what I wanted to talk about out of this. And what kept jumping out to me, and even if you go back to chapter 2 last week, what Nick talked about at the beginning, where there was this lame man and there was a crowd gathered in this house, and it was so crowded they couldn't get the lame man to Jesus. So what did they do? 
they go and they open up a hole in the roof and they lower the man down to Jesus. You know, when I ever read through that in the past, I always pictured that like they opened it and they just dropped him down to Jesus. Uh, I mean, he's lame already. So, you know, what more damage can we do? He's going to heal. Uh, that's not the case. The houses were built a little differently in that culture back there. But they did everything they could to get to Jesus. So what kept grabbing me is that all of these people had these physical ailments or diseases or they're demon-possessed. And, and they know Jesus is there and he's healing. And so when they hear word of this healer from miles and miles away, they dropped everything to get to him. Here's someone that could take care of all these issues that I've had maybe my whole life. And they take their physical ailments, their problems, their issues. Some of them traveled 120 miles. That's about four to five day walk. But we're also dealing with people that were having issues physically. So who knows how long it took for them to get from Jerusalem to where Jesus was healing. But they had to get to the healer. The crowds pushed forward to him. He had to get out on water on a boat just to get away because he was going to be crushed because they wanted to touch him. They wanted to find that healing power. They wanted to be able to, to take what has bothered them and held them back for so long and be free of it. And I connected with that. Because for us, I don't think it's so much physical ailments that we're trying to be healed of. I know there's people in the room that have things that they want taken care of. I know Sam Webb would love healing for his head. I know Kyle would love to be done with kidney stones. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about healing of our heart. Our soul, our mind. Things that hold us back. That cause us pain. That keep us from being who we are in Christ. Those things shape our identity. And I know that's why I am right now. That's why I said, I feel like God blesses me with material. It doesn't feel like blessings all the time. I know that's where I'm at. See, I started feeling pain that I've been dealing with 31 years ago. When I was four years old. And some of you heard a little bit about this. It's not easy to talk about. I don't say it so you guys feel bad for me because everybody's got their crud. Everybody's got their own stuff to deal with. But 31 years ago, I was being babysat by one of my mom's best friends, and she had an older, a son older than me, a few years. And we spent all our time together. And over a course of four to five years, there was some sexual abuse. But for the most part, every day there was physical and verbal abuse. Every day. And I didn't know how to express that to my parents. I told them about it. But, you know, boys will be boys. They're just wrestling around. But what started in me 31 years ago was this pain and this identity that I didn't know how to fix. And I wanted healing in the worst way. And so I would go to all these different places, all these different efforts to push the pain down, to heal it, to fix it. I try to go to God, but you know what? Ultimately, I keep returning to other things. Now, what happened to me when that, that took place years ago was Satan started whispering lies to me that I started to believe were truths. I went to counseling seven, eight years ago to work through some of that sexual abuse and some of those things that were bothering me, and, and I had a lot of healing take place then. But it's not gone. 
And so over these last few years, gradually, if you don't deal with the pain, it comes back. And over the last few weeks, I've gone back to counseling because there's more pain there that's impacting the people around me. It impacts my marriage. It impacts my kids, my family, my friends. And as I'm going through counseling, this is a Christian counselor downtown, the changing point. One of the things I'm supposed to do is go to those memories that I've forgotten. And these things start coming back in me, and I start remembering how I'd be held down and just being pounded on and pounded on, and I am crying, let me go. And finally, after like 30 minutes, he'd let me up. All right, get out of here. I'd start running, he'd kick my legs out from under me, and I'd fall back down, he'd jump back on, start pounding on me, pounding on me. And then beyond that, I start having memories of everything he said. You're stupid. You're worthless. You're ugly. Nobody wants you. And I would hear that all the time. And Satan, when I was four years old, started telling me that's the truth. And so I try everything in my life to fight that. But do you know how many times when you believe that, you look in the mirror and you see what Satan's telling you? That is truth. I am worthless. What do I have to offer anyone else? You know, I started reading this book. It's called Supernatural Ways of Royalty. Uh, and, and one of the parts in it really jumped out at me. He's talking about his own experience, his own experience, and he says, Unfortunately, I know that what I experienced growing up is all too common. The circumstances may differ, but those of us who experience abandonment and abuse in our own youth, even if it was simply being born in an untimely manner, as I was, internalize the message that we are shameful, unwanted, and insignificant. The result of these lies is that we develop patterns of behavior that are designed to protect us in a hostile world. Because we've experienced attacks at the most fundamental levels of our identity, we think we have to do whatever it takes to kill the pain and simply survive. How far would you go to be healed? To what extent would you go? How much does that mean to you? It's not just physical abuse from a kid when you're growing up. It might have been a parent taking off, a parent being there but not being there. Someone not holding you. Words a brother or sister said, friends, a rejection from a boyfriend or a girlfriend. And it's not just in our youth. We bring pains into our marriage, and then we put so much dependency on those marriages to keep us going that if there's rejection, if there's infidelity, if there's anger, if there's words said, it just keeps feeding those lies to us that I am unwanted. I'm not cared for. People don't love me. It could be words that a child said to a parent that impacted that parent that makes you feel unwanted. So these are the things that we're trying to deal with. These are the lies that, that Satan speaks to us. And so I'll keep asking the question, how far will we go to actually be healed? Do we know where to go to be healed? What are we doing with this? I think last week when Nick had everybody hold up the signs, and I'll be honest, at first, I thought, wow, this is powerful. How candid are these folks to really be okay with holding up things that they really struggle with. And then I looked over to Brandon Short and it said murderer. 
I figured it out that these are hypotheticals. <laughs> Unless. But those are some places that we go. See, when we're hurting and we feel pain, and, and I won't believe it if somebody in this room says, I'm okay, I don't feel pain, I'm healed. Maybe you've experienced healing, and maybe you've experienced healing that I'm trying to get to and that others are trying to get to, great. Don't be afraid to share that with others because we need that experience. Maybe you're in denial. I'm okay, I'm fine. My identity is in Christ, I know it, I'm good. And maybe you're like me, and a lot of days you just, you just wake up and it's hard to get going. It's hard to find the motivation because the fear and the pain and the insecurities and the inadequacies hold us back. And so, some of the places we go to heal that, they're not all bad. They're good places, but the problem is if we're going to them first, then we're only making those situations worse. One of the things I thought of when we're talking about where we go is, is self-protection. If I don't open up, if I don't have to connect emotionally, then I can't be rejected. So even if it's a husband and a wife, and they don't want to share with each other, and they don't want to open up, and they don't want to spend time sitting and talking through hard issues, and being real with each other, because we're trying to protect self. Maybe I don't want to open up to others in the church because I don't want them to know who I really am. I've been there. There's a crowd of people. Is it easier for me to run out the door and get to my car or stop and talk to somebody? Because I might actually have to talk about myself. Self-protection is a place that we go. Other places, we go to our kids. My kid makes me feel valuable. They need me. They're dependent on me. I hope my mom doesn't listen to this. Shut off the recording for a second. My mom struggled for a lot of years, maybe still struggles a bit, with her kids bringing her value. That was her identity. Probably why they have 11. Uh, but the problem is, when your child starts getting older and becoming more independent and pushing back on what you tell them, and not responding to you the same way, you feel crushed. You feel like, where is my value? And you don't know where to go with that. It's the same for our marriage. We'll go back to that. We put so much dependency on that husband and that wife. Here, I'm going to get married and everything's going to be great. It's all going to be wonderful. He's going to make me feel beautiful and special every day. And she's going to fulfill all my needs. And I'm going to feel like a man. Then we get into the married and it's two hurt, broke people and we're trying to depend on each other. And all it does is lead to more pain and hurts that marriage. Family, friends, other relationships that we try to depend on. I've been there. <laughs> Again, these aren't bad things. But if that's where we're going first, then all it's going to do is inevitably hurt that relationship. Because you've got to start it begins and ends with Jesus Christ. We go to other things that are more physically damaging, like alcohol abuse, drug abuse, pornography addictions, maybe even overeating. Those are things that we go to 
just to simply get away from our own reality. If I drink this much, I don't have to think about why I hurt. If I take these drugs, then I can separate myself from this reality. If I go to pornography, I can control this reality. There's no rejection here. These are things that damage us. Because when we get back to reality after we've experienced those things, we're just worse off. We don't feel better anymore. We feel worse. And we're damaging the people around us. And then we go to things to form our identity, like things we're good at, that God blessed us with. Uh, sports. My identity is I'm the athlete. People know I'm a good athlete. Musician. I can sing. I can play guitar. So I'm the musician. Job. Work. I'm a good worker. I'm going to work hard. I'm going to be there on time. I'm going to work long hours. And everybody knows that this person is great at their job. And that brings me value. Self-worth. Whatever it is, wherever you put your value, your identity, if it's not Jesus, then it's hurting everything else. And it's not going to fix and heal the pain. How far would you go to be healed? Because when you go to all these places first, and you're trying to fix them, and mask them, and cover them up, and push them down, you are impacting those around you. I told you, I impacted the people around me. I've impacted the people around me in the last few weeks. Wife, yes. Kids, yes. Friends, family. I feel like I've apologized to more people over the last few weeks than I ever have. Because when you don't deal with your stuff the right way, it impacts those around us. How can we not see that? I want to tell a story. This would be hard for me. So as I go through this counseling and I'm dealing with this stuff that hurts me, for some reason... I just have started getting angry. I'm not a very angry person. I might yell a lot. But I'm not a very angry person. And as you know, the counselor tells me, it's nice that he breaks it down for me. Uh, he says, as you're trying to deal with this angst from your childhood, it starts coming back up and it forms these secondary emotions and anger is one of them. And so... Over the last few weeks, it's been easy for me to yell in the house. And, you know, turn it off again. That was something that happened a lot in my house with my mom. We'd yell at each other all the time. And I don't want that. And so, Karen and I had been struggling over the last few weeks because I've been struggling with a lot personally. And, and there's a lot of yelling. And the kids are right there. And I remember one particular day, we're in the kitchen, and I'm just yelling, and Kara's upset, and she's crying. The kids keep running to the kitchen to check on us. See what's going on. We keep sending them away. It's okay. It's going to be okay. And it got to the point where I just said, I'll go take the kids. I'll give you some time. And so we jumped in the car, and I'm driving. I just remember calling, just being so quiet. I didn't know where to go, so we went to the office. You have that picture? Um, we got to the office. He went right to the, the marker board next to my desk, two feet from my desk. He starts coloring and writing words. I didn't know what he was doing. And then I look, and I see this, and I just lose it. And if you can't read it, it says, it's a heart with all of us in it. It says, we love each other. And it says, hey, Dad, look at this picture and think of your family. Huh. Kids get it. You think your pain doesn't impact them? 
You don't think my little boy notices when somebody's not happy in the family? That's an intuitive little boy. The choices we make, the ways we deal with our pain, impact the people around us, whether we want it to or not. And you know what? Our pain can be a generational, a generational pain. That can be passed on to my son, and passed on to his son, and to his son. And so I say today, we start a process of going to the right place for healing. We go back to that beginning. These people went as far, they were, what, 120 miles away, four to five days walk, pushing through crowds, getting to the healer. Get me to the healer. That's the only way I'm going to be able to be fixed. Get me to the healer. I go, what's the easiest way? Get me to something that makes me feel better. Get me to something that makes me feel better. Get me to something that makes me feel better. The coolest thing is that we don't have to walk four or five days to get to the healer. We don't have to push through crowds. If you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, the power to heal is already there. How cool is that? He's there, right here. The truth is in you already. It doesn't take this great effort of going to these places and pushing to get to them. It takes stopping and acknowledging that the power to heal is right here and letting the other stuff go. Those lies that Satan told us, that Satan tells us, you're ugly. We believe it. You're fat. I believe it. You're stupid. You're ugly. You're stupid. You're fat. You're inadequate. You have nothing to tell this, these people this morning. You shouldn't be up doing music because you're not very good at it. You shouldn't be teaching because you can't teach kids and your own kids don't even love you. Your husband doesn't love you. Your wife doesn't love you. He doesn't think you're attractive. You have nothing to offer these people. These are the lies that Satan keeps shooting at us over and over again. And you know what? We hear them so much, we believe it deep down. How many times have you looked in the mirror and believed that lie? If we push through all that and realize there's somebody that doesn't want us to be free, that doesn't want us to be in a place where everything can be impacted for good, and we get to God, the healer, what we start to believe, what we start to hear is, you're beautiful. You're perfect. You're righteous. You are adequate. You're good. You're a good mom. You're a good wife. You're a good husband. You're a good son, a good daughter. We get to a place where we can hear the truth. We go to the healer, Jesus Christ. We push all that other stuff out of the way. Why would we not want to hear those words? Why would that truth not want to resonate inside of us? 
instead of those pains that we have carried forever. It's not going to be like this. It's a process. It's a process and consistency of letting go, giving your pains and your failures and your insecurities and your shame to God. Look at His Word. Read the truths that are there. Cry out to Him first. It's all right to cry out to others, but cry out to Him first. We're broken people. I love that song, Glorious Ruins, because I feel like that's me. I mean, I want to feel glorious. But I know that, that God says He takes the broken, He takes the hurt, and He makes them beautiful. You know, most of you know, I connect with God through music a lot. Um, and there's a song that I've been listening to. I'm, I'm going to read the words. We're going to sing it next Sunday morning. And I'm sure some of you guys have heard it on the radio. It's called Broken Hallelujah. And I can just connect with this song so well. You know, how many times I've been listening to this in my car, crying and just singing out. And the words are this. I can barely stand right now. Everything is crashing down. And I wonder where you are. I try to find the words to pray. I don't always know what to say, but you're the one that can hear my heart. Even though I don't know what your plan is, I know you're making beauty from these ashes. Because I've seen joy, I've seen pain. On my knees I call your name. Here's my broken hallelujah. With nothing left to hold on to, I raise these empty hands to you. Here's my broken hallelujah. You know the things that have brought me here. You know the story of every tear. Because you've been here from the very start. When all is taken away, don't let, don't let my heart be changed. Let me always sing hallelujah. When I feel afraid, don't let my hope be erased. Let me always sing hallelujah. This is battle. Feel afraid, where am I going to go? Am I going to go to the healer? Or am I going to go to all this pain and insecurity? It's okay to be broken before God. He loves to fix the broken. He loves to heal us. And that's so cool because I get to come before Him and I get to praise a Savior that has promised to take care of me. He went to the cross. And now I get to offer this broken hallelujah. And I love the line when it says, I know the story behind every tear. So, you know, all these people that have hurt us in our lifetime, the people in and out of our lives, there's only one that was there every step of the way. He truly saw us with every tear we cried. And he knew what was behind it. And now he tells us we can cry out to him. And we go to him to be healed. How far would we go to fix the pains in our life that hold us back and keep us from being who we should be in Christ? When last week happened, the most powerful thing was when everybody was holding up their signs and flipped it around and it showed the cross. That's your identity. That's where you find your value, your worth. 
It's in Christ and Christ alone. Not in your spouse, not in your friends, not in your hobbies, not in your job. It's in Christ and Christ alone. And if we're going anywhere else first to fix this, it's never going to be healed. And so I challenge you guys this morning. This is serious. I mean, I get here. I'm, I'm in it. I'm in it right now. If I could tell you how much I am trying to let go and just let him heal. A lot of you probably would be like, yeah, I get that. This is serious. You can listen to my message and forget about it three days. It's up to you. But what I'm challenging you to do this morning, is you search within yourself and you find those things that have been causing you pain and you go to the healer and you start dealing with it in whatever way you feel he's leading you to. If it's counseling, if it's accountability groups, if it's just crying out to him more on a regular basis, you do what you need to do to fix it. Because you don't want your child, 20 years later, sitting in a crowd just like this, trying to figure out how in the world am I going to fix this pain? And how am I going to heal this? That's the challenge this morning. How far would you go? To what extent would you push to get to the healer because he's right here? He made it easy for us. And so now together, we can try to figure this out. We get to come before the cross and take the, the bread and the juice. And it's an awesome opportunity because as we're trying to take care of these issues, I challenge you to, to come before it this morning and confess, this is what's held me back. This is what I've done. This is why I can't get to you. Now help me. And then look at the cross and see what he's already done for you. Let that impact your life, because it's real. If you're here and you believe it, it's real. It is real. And come before him this morning. And then afterwards, we don't do altar calls, things like that, but we do have a bunch of elders here and and people that love to pray with people that are in the same position as you. And so I challenge you, don't wait. If you are impacted by this message this morning and you feel like there's something to deal with and you need somebody to pray with you and you need something to be taken care of and you want to start it right now and you don't know how to do it, then after the service is over or the last song, find somebody. And you know what's going to happen? Satan's going to start, it's going to happen. Satan's going to start whispering in your ear, don't do it. You're going to look stupid. You're going to feel dumb. They're going to think you're ugly. They're going to think you're bad. Don't listen to it. I challenge you, don't listen to the lies. If you need prayer, go get prayer. If you need help, go get help. Go as an individual, go as a couple, go as a family. But get prayer. It starts today. I know many of us have been in the process for a long time. Go to the healer, no matter what. Nick, you guys start coming up here. I'm going to pray for us this morning.
And I just pray. My heart truly. That's one thing I know. God created me to be a very sensitive person. And my heart truly goes out to those that feel the same kind of pain I feel because sometimes it makes it really hard to be loved or to love. And so I feel for you this morning and I'm going to pray for you right now. Jesus, I just thank you so much for bringing this group of people here this morning. All of us imperfect, broken, but you see us as beautiful, Lord, and I just thank you so much for that. And I just pray that you would help me and help everybody else to, to shape our identity and our view of ourselves through your eyes. Help us this morning. Right now, as Satan's trying to keep individuals in this room from taking steps forward, I pray that you would fight that enemy away for us. That you would block his words from getting into our brains. And that you would help us to see what lies are lies and what truth is. And that you would fight for us this morning. And that we would fight for each other. And that we would get to a place, Jesus, that we could all be experiencing healing and see where it takes us. See how much better our walk with you is our marriages, our relationships are. Lord, I just pray that you would just heal. I want this group of people to be a group of people that are crowding at your feet, that would push you onto the water because we just want to get to you, Lord. So I pray that you would help us do that this morning. We give these things to you and we praise you. In your name, amen. to the healer all right we know where to go but the world out there is full of a bunch of broken hurt people that doesn't know that there's someone out there that can heal them we've got an opportunity next Sunday night as we do Creekside Live to bring people in that have not really jumped into a church we've got pamphlets out there on the table I encourage you to grab some I'm gonna hand them to my neighbors try to encourage people to get here just to see what it's like to sing to a Savior to see other people around that are in love with a Savior. Now I encourage you again, if you need prayer, if you need to talk to somebody, we're up here for just that. You guys have a great day. Hopefully we'll see you next week.